Hi, I'm Allison. And I'm Taylor. And we're the hosts of the Anxiety Chicks podcast, where we dive deep into the reality of anxiety, nutrition, and mental health. Listen as we explore all things anxiety healing while keeping it real, including our own struggles with mental health. We'll bring our expertise as healing professionals to the conversation while discussing the tools and strategies you need to heal the anxious mind. Listen to the Anxiety Chicks on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Anxiety Chicks podcast. I'm Allison Sepanera. And I'm Taylor. And we are so excited because we have an amazing guest today. That's probably going to help me. Most likely, Taylor's in a happy, healthy relationship, but she might struggle with a little bit of this still, even if you're in a relationship, but just not being in one. Also, this is just a topic that resonates with me as I move through my life in relationships with perfectionism. And so I am so happy to introduce Sarah Yudkin. Hello. Hi. Thank you for having me both. Hi, I'm so excited. And I did say that correctly, right, Yedkin? Yes, okay. it's Yedkin, yeah. I, <laughs> Yedkin, I asked her right before this. I want to say it correctly because I don't want to get anyone's name wrong. It's a beautiful name. Um, but we have an expert on to talk today about perfectionism and how it creates anxiety and disappointment in relationships. So I'm going to tell you a little bit more about Sarah and then we'll kind of just go right into it. So Sarah Yedkin is a founder of You Love and You Learn and that she's a relationship coach who's passionate about helping people feel content happy, and peaceful in their relationships. She went from feeling anxious, doubtful, doubtful, and uncertain in her own relationship to feeling a deep sense of commitment, fulfillment, and optimism. Since then, she's helped over a thousand people from 35 countries through online coaching, courses, and webinars. The You Love and You Learn online community consists of over 300,000 people on a journey to show up more intentionally in their relationships. So incredible. We have someone who's really going to be able to help us today. I'm so excited. So um, I'd love to hear a little bit more. I know we want to dive into our topic because everyone wants to learn a little bit more about perfectionism. And I mean, even outside of relationships, perfectionism and anxiety just are so co-related. Um but why don't you tell us a little bit more about kind of how you got to this place first? I know I read a little bit about it, but how you got to working kind of in relationships and then we'll dive into that. Yeah, absolutely. So I have always been kind of like a romantic at heart or I've just loved rom-coms. I feel like I grew up in the classic 90s rom-coms, like How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, The Notebook, like all of those. And I've always loved love. So I've just, you know, that's been something I've always wanted. And my parents got a divorce when I was in my younger 20s. And I feel like at the time I was old enough to understand rationally why it happened. So I kind of just stuffed it down and kept moving and was like, all right, no biggie. Like it's for the best and kind of just moved forward, assuming it didn't really make a difference. But as I got into my second serious relationship and who is now my fiance at the time we started getting to know each other and once things got more serious i started having all these questions like well how do i know for sure that he's the one or how can i make sure that i don't get a divorce like my parents did and mind you since i've changed my definition of divorce like i, I used to think it was this horrible thing and now 
I don't necessarily view it that way. But at the time, it felt like this big bad thing that should be avoided. And I wanted to be sure that everything was great. And so what I ended up realizing was I was putting all this pressure on the relationship and analyzing Nate, like, is this quality good or is this a potential red flag? And I just started being a lot more up in my head than down in my heart. And I would have periods of not feeling anxious and feeling so confident, like, oh my gosh, this is definitely my person. I I know that I want this to work. But then almost right after those periods of feeling open and vulnerable, I would have these fear responses come up, which now I view as a form of relationship anxiety, kind of protecting myself from potentially getting hurt. At the time, though, I had no idea what that was. And this all kind of came to a head during COVID. I was at my most anxious. We were living together for the first time. I was on furlough from my job, a lot of extra stress in the world. I think that was you know, a, a tough time for a lot of people, especially if you already have anxiety. And one day we were on a walk and I just blurted out to him, I don't know if I love you the same anymore. And that was so scary to me at the time because, you know, you hear all these things of like you fall out of love and you almost hear that that's the end of the story. Like you fall out of love and then it's kind of like, all right, well, you're in the wrong relationship. So now you have to leave. And so I was terrified if my love for him had changed, like what did that mean? And I was sobbing and he was so steady and supportive in that moment. And just like, I could understand how this would be so scary for you. And like, obviously I really love you and want this to work, but I understand if you don't and whatever you need to do, like I'll support you. And in that moment, it was almost like I was able to see the whole situation from a different perspective. Like, wow, this isn't about him. Like, look at this amazing person that you have this is about your own stuff, your own fears. And so that was kind of the moment where I started realizing, okay, I think I need to learn a little bit more about what a healthy relationship looks like or how to show up in a relationship because what I'm doing right now and all this pressure I'm putting on myself is not working and I really want to be with this person. So why am I getting in my own way? So that's kind of like the the longer version. But after that, I really just started exploring all things love and relationships and decided it was something I wanted to share more about. And a lot of people became interested in my story. So that was the in- initial entry point kind of. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, it sounds like you have such a supportive and wonderful partner. So that's that's unbelievable. But something that resonated with me when you were talking was how much doubt you had about that. And I think that there's so much self-doubt when it comes to anxiety as well. And when talking about perfectionism, right, you have like a picture in your mind of the way things need to be. And this is how we have to look. And if I have any doubts or if I have anything that's, you know, scaring me about us and our relationship, then, you know, that must mean it's not perfect. Right. And it's not working. So this is it. Like we should get out of it or something, you know, is that kind of where you were? Yeah, definitely. And I would say the difference between someone who has like anxiety in their relationship or relationship anxiety, sometimes people also, I think relationship OCD is also a common phrase, but it's kind of almost like the sister of relationship anxiety. Like they're very similar in terms of the symptoms is that there would be maybe an I would say in air quotes, like a normal question of like, okay, like how do I know this is the person I want to be with? It's like, that's a rational question to ask when you're about to maybe make like a big commitment. But then the perfectionist inside is like, wait, I shouldn't even have to ask that question. Like I should just have a hundred percent certainty 
I should never have conflict. So like any little thing that you just mentioned, Allison, that's an imperfection, then you really analyze it and pick it apart and try to understand it and get that certainty. So I think it all kind of adds up and then you get yourself into a tailspin because you don't really have that certainty. You're just making a confident guess. But if you're anxious and don't feel confident, then that self-doubt creeps in. So it kind of just creates this big self-sabotage cycle. And I'll clarify that I don't mean if you're in an unhealthy situation, like that's a very understandable reason to feel anxiety in your relationship. But if you're in a healthy, loving relationship and you want it to work, but you keep finding yourself in these patterns, then that's when I think it can be something to look at. Yeah. And is that where like the disappointment comes in? Like when you say um, how perfectionism creates disappointment in relationships too, is that more of disappointment with yourself because you're having these thoughts about the relationship or these doubts kind of like that? Yeah. So I think it can be both really. It's disappointment that the word should comes up a lot in my work, like what things should be like. So I should always feel 100% in love, attracted, like I should always want to walk in the door and like whisk away my partner, all these things, whatever it is. Um, Like there's all these shoulds that we play up about exactly how our relationship and life should look. So then if there's any difference in how it's actually showing up, we can have, of course, disappointment in the situation. But I do also think a lot of it is our own disappointment in ourself for not having more confidence or feeling good enough to be in the relationship and then it can get projected out onto our partner. Like let's say, for example, let's say you've always grown up and you've had body image issues or you feel like attraction is one of the most important things for you. Like I always have to look good. I always need to make sure people think I'm attractive. Then maybe your partner, you are on the couch one day and they're not looking as attractive as they normally do. And then you get in your head kind of like, oh, wait, does that mean I'm not attracted to them? Are, like, could I be with someone more attractive? Should I always be attracted to my partner? And part of it is because internally you have your own stuff around attraction that's so important to you. And so it can be both like you're seeing something in the relationship or partner, but a lot of it, if you trace it back, can be what's going on internally within yourself. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. So if you've been listening to the Anxiety Chicks for a while, you know that I've had two long-term relationships over the last couple of years. And when I first met my last boyfriend during the honeymoon phase, I was so convinced that the relationship was going to be easy and fun. I would share my feelings and he would share his and we would be open and honest with each other. And he would make me feel secure and we just wouldn't fight and it'd just be so easy. Well, that fantasy came crashing down fast after about eight months of dating when the relationship became so frustrating and literally all work and pretty much fighting all the time. I would basically express my needs and he would dismiss them. I would work so hard at making sure he felt heard and understood and he hardly reciprocated that. I would tell him how wonderful he was all the time and how cute he was and give him all these affirmations. I would go out of my way to make sure he spent quality time with me and with me with him. And he just didn't do anything in return. He didn't want to put in the work. 
And what I know now is that relationships are actually the healthiest when both people put in the work and that's really what makes them great. It really can't just be one-sided. And I realized that I was working way too hard on making someone love me the way that I really needed to be loved. And he just wasn't ready to do it. He didn't want to put in the work. He really just did not want to reciprocate it. And right about then is when I realized that I really needed extra support through everything I was going through. And therapy was such a lifesaver for me. I mean, I was able to recognize the dynamic between my ex and I and how unhealthy it was. And even though I would probably have to go through a lot of grieving and loss with the relationship, I knew that what was best for me was that we break up. And I realized this all through therapy. And it provided a a real safe space for me to process the anxiety that was totally connected to this relationship. And therapy just gave me the ability to find myself again. I kind of really lost myself when I was in that relationship. And even through therapy, I was able to work through a lot of other challenges I had with other family relationships and other people in my life. And just through all of this, I realized that therapy will always be an important part of my healing toolkit. It will probably be one of the most important parts, especially because it helped me learn more positive coping skills. It taught me about boundaries. It empowered me to be the best version of myself. I mean, I really lost myself in this relationship. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. The best part is that it's entirely online. It means that you can schedule your therapy appointment anytime. It fits your schedule. It's very convenient. And all you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist that suits your needs. And if for any reason you're not feeling a connection with that therapist, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. This Valentine's Day, the perfect gift for anyone is the gift of luxury. Cozy Earth offers a wide range of loungewear, pajamas, accessories, bedding, and more designed to bring comfort to you and all the ones you love, enhancing your overall well-being both inside and outside your home. Their loungewear is crafted from breathable and luxurious materials such as bamboo and 100% mulberry silk. Cozy Earth has been featured on Oprah's Favorite Things for five years in a row. All products come with a 10-year warranty. Cozy Earth loungewear offers optimal temperature-regulating comfort while maintaining a stylish and elegant fit for women. Bring the spa home with Cozy Earth's bath collection. They offer a variety of different products, such as their waffle bathrobes, that are sure to elevate your post-bath experience. I personally like to throw mine in my towel warmer. I know it says it's called a towel warmer, but it's just awesome to put your bathrobe or pajamas in. And then when you get out of the bath, having that warm bathrobe or pajamas is just next level comfort. Cozy Earth offers premium bath products such as bath towels, bath robes, robes for hair, and more available in variety of luxurious fabrics so you can find the perfect fit for you that will elevate your post-bath experience. Cozy Earth sheets are made of temperature regulating 100% from Babu to keep you cool at night all night long, which is reasonably sourced to the bamboo. 
I personally love my sheets. I've had them for about a month now and I will never go back to any other sheets. Whether it's for you, for your partner or your friends, Cozy Earth makes a perfect gift for anyone who wants to show a little extra love for Valentine's Day. Cozy Earth provided an exclusive offer for our listeners today, 35% off site-wide when you use the code ANXIETYCHICKS. 35% off with code ANXIETYCHICKS. I highly recommend going and checking them out. I love all their products. So that, you know, body image um, analogy that you kind of just made totally resonates with me um, and my relationships too, because I've always struggled with my body image and I've talked a lot about my disordered eating and just a lot about my insecurities on here. And I think like in relationships, I have... I have definitely projected, I don't know if that's another word, projected, but I have expected that, you know, same type of perfectionism in my brain that I think I need on myself, on my partners for sure. And then there's times where I know that that voice in my head is just ridiculous, you know, and then that's the disappointment in myself piece, I think, because I'm listening, that voice is making me feel bad that I'm having it, you know, so it just becomes kind of like a cycle, but I think the body image piece definitely I can relate to with that for sure. Yeah, definitely. It's almost like if we're not compassionate with ourselves or if we've never really gotten into that practice of being like, all right, like it's okay to not be perfect all the time, then it's really hard to extend that sometimes to other people. It's not that you have to like have the number one best relationship with yourself ever in order to have a relationship with someone else. Cause I think we can kind of heal while we're in relationships with people, as long as, you know, we're taking ownership for our stuff. But of course, the more compassion we can give ourselves, the more we'll likely be able to extend to others. And the more love and care we can give for ourselves, the more we'll be able to offer and receive from other people. And I think receiving is another thing that can be really hard for someone who has anxiety in their relationship is maybe you have this safe, healthy partner who's giving you so much love and support, but you're not used to that, or you don't feel for some reason like you're worthy of receiving that, then you can shut it down and almost feel like, all right, well, maybe this person's too nice or like they're not the right person for me. And I think you know, unintentionally, that's what happens a lot subconsciously. Maybe we are used to a more unhealthy dynamic or we witnessed an unhealthy dynamic growing up. And so that's what's more familiar. And then we're presented with this healthy, safe partner and it might feel boring or not as exciting. And maybe there's less infatuation there because this person is actually available and there for us. So I think that can also be something that happens. And if you have perfectionism tendencies, then if you're comparing to the reels that you see on social media, where someone's like getting whisked away all the time with their partner and they're maybe traveling together or they're doing the digital nomad life and you get to see like these glimpses of the high hitting notes of their relationship, then you can kind of compare the more mundane moments of your own relationship and life and feel like you're not hitting the mark. So I do think social media has definitely impacted how we view our own relationships. And of course, there's so much I love about it. Like it's helped me and my business so much. I met you guys and reached out through that. Like there's so many great parts of it. But if you have a more sensitive or anxious mind and you tend to analyze and compare, 
then I find social media is more detrimental than helpful most times. Yeah, you can like see something and think, oh, he's doing this for her. Oh, my husband's not doing that for me. Or like, oh, we don't look like that or whatever. But it's like, who's going to get on social media and like film a fight and then post it on social media? Like, why would they do that? That would be weird, right? So like no one's ever filming odd moments or like when it's not rehearsed or the perfect thing, right? Like when are people ever posting people screaming at each other? Like you wouldn't do that. Exactly. Thinking about that, that would be like really weird. Yeah. And I even have an account that talks about my anxiety in my relationship, but I still only share certain parts of my story. Like there's, I'm not going to just go on and live stream like what we're doing all the time or share every single thought that I've had. Like there's still a level of privacy that I think everyone's you know, able to have as a creator or coach or therapist or whoever, like no one knows every little nuance. So I I think it's easier said than done though, to remember that because in the moment you see that shiny thing and you're just kind of thinking, oh, well, mine doesn't look like that. But remembering that they also have negative or challenging moments. And then you also have positive moments too. So you have to compare the full spectrum of the relationship as like each one is unique, first of all, but just knowing that all relationships are going to have ups and downs, ebbs and flows. I remember when I first met my husband, I will never forget this. I told my mom, I was like, God, this guy is so weird. And my mom was like, why is he weird? And I was like, he's just like, so like too nice. It's like, and so me back then, it was almost like the guys that you had to work a little harder as someone who has always been a competitor my whole life. Like I kind of like put all these pieces together. I've always been a competitor, always wanted to reach the top goals, achieve, 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 right? Something that seems so available and so easy to me, it was like, Oh, like, why are you so available? Why are you so nice? Why are you coming after me so easily? Like, that's weird. Something must be wrong with you. And wanting these people that weren't available didn't want me more because it's almost like it was a competition or whatever. It played with the perfectionist in me. And then the more I was like, oh, no, this is like healthy. This is, this is good for me. And then I'll tell him sometimes, I'm like, you think I'm hard on you. It's like, you're only getting a glimpse of how hard I am on myself. Like I'm so much harder on me than I am on you. And I feel like that's really hard with perfectionism because you you sometimes expect them to be exactly how you think of things, exactly how you do things, exactly how you approach things, clean things. Like even if he doesn't make the bed sometimes the same way I make it in my head, I'm like, well, why didn't you do that right? And it's like, you can't, it, it, it it's a daily battle with perfectionism. That's all I'm going to say. It's just like when you struggle with that, you expect everybody else to have that. Mm, Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. It's helpful. It's always helpful for me. Like, even though I hear all the time, other people's stories, like anytime I hear another one, it just helps me feel less alone. And I always feel the same. It's just like the little moments where you're like, all right, does this actually matter? And in your head, it does matter. But in the grand scheme of the relationship, not like I can give a funny kind of silly example from my own relationship. Um, My fiance just like 
loves to put the towels on the door or just like sometimes they would slide off the hanger and like be on the ground. Like, I mean, that was way long ago. And I was like, that is gross. Like that, that you need to figure out. But now they're on the door hangers or whatever. And sometimes it's on the door to like our main bedroom and I need to close it. And I'm just like, oh, like I wish it was in the spot it was supposed to be. But I've just had to realize like 99% of the time it's not worth it because it's more of like my own control thing than an actual problem. But occasionally I will be irritable and just be like, all right, like this is in my space, even though it's not even my space, it's our space. Um, So just little things like that I've realized a lot are about my own control. And if something feels not in control, then I get uncomfortable And so that's been a practice as well, which I think is one of the underlying things of perfectionism is if everything can be in control, if I have all of my ducks in a row, then I can be safe and then everything will work out and everything will be fine. But the second things are unpredictable, then we try to kind of like just tie them up neatly in a bow so that they're back to being safe and healthy. But with love and relationships, there's so much risk. Like you can, I mean, there's been so many people who, and everyone's relationship is different, but there's been so many people who went up to that altar and said, when you know, you know, and like, you're my person, I love you. And then it doesn't work out. And being certain doesn't necessarily guarantee the outcome. And so I think most people who have anxiety in their relationships know that underneath the surface that like you don't necessarily have guarantees but they want the guarantees. So that's, I think, what causes a lot of anxiety too. Yeah, I think I also learned very, I wouldn't say early on in my relationship. So I've been with my husband. We've been together for 10 years, but married for two. And I realized also with perfectionism, I have a lot of masculine energy. So I, I'm very independent. I'm very, I can get stuff done myself. I don't need anybody. And so I think that's an issue with a lot of women who are very masculine energy, can do it all, is like you don't need someone, but like allowing someone to like take lead, allowing someone to that's that's been like the thing I've been working on. And it's really hard for me, like to like give up, like not get mad at him for doing something wrong, but that he took lead in, but I feel I could have done better. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I'll find myself with resentment when I'm trying to do everything myself because I think I can do it better. And then I'm like, well, why aren't you doing this? And then it's like, well, you're not allowing him to do it. And you, or you're gonna or you're expecting he's gonna do it wrong and not the way you want it. And it's it's like in a relationship, it's about like giving, allowing when you have so much masculine energy as a woman, allowing a man to uh, lead you is so tough, especially with being a perfectionist. It's like the hardest battle. I mean, you, and, and the thing is, is like, it's not him. It would be any guy. And you have to remind yourself that it's like, it's not that you're in this relationship where it's like, oh, he can't do it right. It's like, you would feel this way about anybody because you just think you can do everything right and no one else can. Yeah. That's one of the biggest things that I had to believe and that I still remind myself is that these triggers, my own fears, like my beliefs on love and relationships, those aren't going away if I was with someone else. Those are all mine. And my wanting to control things or get it right, like you said, like that's not related to my fiance. That's me. And so as tempting as it might be to just kind of be like, all right, well, like I'll just go in this other relationship and everything will be easy. 
that's where I think we sometimes get stuck. Um, like on social media, you'll see, I mean, I see these reels all the time because like my clients will send them to me and they're like this person saying, I was in an eight-year relationship and then I, you know, I was, it was good, but not great. And so then I left and now I have the one, you know, and that's a great, like, it's great. And I don't want to diminish that person's experience, but we also have no idea like what, her life story was leading to that point of sharing the real. And we don't know that in eight more years, she's not going to feel the same thing. Exactly. I'm experiencing the same as my last one. So it's just with our whole social media culture, there's just so many mixed messages and that whole feminine energy thing. Like that's a big deal right now on social media too. It's like relax more into your feminine. But if you rewind 50 years ago, like feminine energy meant like you have to stay home and cook for me type thing. Like if you're in a heterosexual relationship. So we're just in this new space where I think there's so much uncertainty about like, what is a relationship? It's not necessarily meant to be 50, 50, hundred percent equal all the time, but we're taking more ownership now as women. So it's just, there's a lot of stuff. I feel like in this modern world that relationships didn't have to suss out before and now we're having to kind of like wade through it and figure it all out. I, I there's also what you just said. Oh, sorry. No, I just wanted to mention there's also more single people than ever in the like the history of humanity right now. Because so I think there's a lot of people that whether it has to do with anxiety or just like not feeling the pressure to have to be traditional in whatever relationships is like with marriage and stuff. Cause there's people that are in relationships probably, but never want to be married. Right. It's so, um, and people that just are deciding to be single more often than not now, which is awesome. Right. That whole paradigm is like changing, but you wonder too, if it is because of what both of you just said, right? Like the, women who maybe want, like, I'm just thinking you kind of described me, right? Like I, Taylor did, um, that I am successful. I have masculine quote unquote energy. I, people have opinions about that. I don't really love saying masculine or feminine, to be honest. I know there's different opinions on it. I know it doesn't necessarily mean man, but whatever. So I have more of an energy that is, um, you know, I'm, I'm ambitious. I, I don't necessarily, I, like, I keep saying this to my friends. If I was born in like the 50s or if I was like in the fifties, like my age or in my twenties in the fifties, I, I don't know what I would do. I'm such a, like a feminist that I don't even know how I would live in that era because I would never be able to just not have anything for myself, revolve my life around having children and being a housewife. That's just not me. And I don't even know if I want to have kids. So like, but the, all the expectations back then, that's what you did as a woman, right? So um, what you described, Taylor, is kind of like me. And I think that's why it has been hard for me a little bit because I have, and I'm now older, so I have my life. I'm so happy. But what you're both describing is like such, so healthy. Like Taylor, I know your relationship is so healthy and and you're both supportive of each other, but that you guys both want to work at the relationship with each other. And I think that's what's hard for me is to recognize like my past relationships have been so much work because they haven't been the right ones, <laughs> you know? They've been so much work and I've had so much anxiety in past relationships that I'm so indifferent right now. I like don't even know. I, I want one, but I'm like, maybe I'll this is just be it because do I want to have to put up with that anymore? Again, do I want to do all of that work? 
where I know, you know, if I had something healthier, maybe it wouldn't be like that, but I don't know what that's like. So it's just so hard for me to like keep putting myself out there. <laughs> with I feel the risk like we've, of, yeah. I feel like we've lost some too with like social media and stuff. Like what, quote unquote, a healthy relationship is. I think that a lot of people, we live in like such an instant gratification world where if something gets hard, we immediately throw in the re- the, the white flag, right? We just throw it up and we say, oh, this just isn't the relationship. We'll just go on to the next one. Like people just get divorced so easily nowadays. And then you go to the next relationship and you're like, oh, I'm so happy. And like, I like this person so much. And it's like, yeah, dude, you've been with them for a year. I was like, my husband and I, like, we didn't know each other. Like, you are peeling back layers with someone each year you're with them. Like, you think you know someone, you don't know someone until, like, certain things in life happen, certain milestones. Like, you're still learning about someone as you're with them. And so I feel like a lot of people get caught up in this honeymoon phase of love and you're just like, oh, I if I'm not feeling that, it's not healthy. It's not good. If I'm if I'm annoyed and irritable and like today I just like hate my husband for absolutely no reason, hormones as well, right? Like sometimes I just wake up and I'm like, you breathing is like really annoying me. Like maybe stop that. You know, it's just like one of those things. And it's like he did nothing wrong. And yeah, I'm in that moment, I could probably be like, oh, you know, that guy looks really cute. We would probably be happy together. But in like seven years, we'd probably I'd hate his breathing too. So it's like it's one of those things where you have to be like, I have to choose to love you. And I think a lot of people, when we when we get to that point in a relationship where we've been together so long, you lose that honeymoon phase. You don't want to choose to love someone. You, It seems too hard, too much work. You want to just go find that new person and enjoy those few years of a honeymoon phase or whatever. And it, it's such a hard thing because you're right, Allison. You're like, how do I know that this is a happy, healthy relationship if I feel like it's so much work? And it's like... I think that all relationships will always all be work. I really do. I think even the like, I, I just don't think that there's any type of relationship where it's like every, like you don't have, even the people on social media who are faking it. I don't, I don't think there's anybody who wakes up every day and they don't have to work on their relationship. I would love to meet them. They're robots. <laughs> yeah. I think that's one of the biggest myths that gets people stuck in their relationship anxiety is like, this is too much work, but the right relationship won't be. Yes. Or like, I'll be happier when dot, 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 like dot, dot, dot. Yep. This partner changes um, or like they stop doing this thing or I find the new person or like once my anxiety goes away, then I can be enjoying the relationship. But it's like you're blocking yourself from enjoying the moments that you have right now by waiting for this future kind of state. So I think really at the end of the day, relationships can be one of our biggest teachers. And that's what I've tried to adopt the mindset of, even though sometimes I still have my anxious moments and, you know, I we're engaged and there will be days where we're like just having kind of a mundane, boring day. And I'm like, shouldn't we just be like having fun every day? Like, you know what I mean? Like those, you'll scroll past someone who's having fun with their partner that day. And I'm on the couch with Nate. And then I'm like, dang, like, are we boring now? You know, like those little thoughts still pop up, but now I see them more as like my old programming that just says like, I have to live in a rom-com 24 seven. So can I ask you, and I don't know if you feel comfortable sharing a little bit more in detail, but I'm just curious when you had that conversation, like when you were walking with him and you just thought, 
I don't know if this is, if I don't know if you sh- I should be with you, right? You told that story earlier. What made you like think that's that time at that time? Was there something that happened or were you just in this constant cycle of doubting just life or what, what was happening? Yeah. So it was this constant cycle of just kind of coming back to doubts. And at the time, I thought that my anxiety was my intuition. So like anytime I had like my chest tighten or like my stomach lurch when I compared my relationship or if I thought about getting married and I had any like bodily response at all that wasn't just like happiness and joy and excitement, I took that to mean that my intuition was trying to tell me something. And since then, I've shifted that definition where intuition feels much more helpful. And I've left a relationship before that I knew wasn't working. So I have to go back to that and trust myself there as well. Um, But it was really just like the cycle kept coming back. And I mean, to be fair, Nate and I have had our, our challenges. It's not that our relationship has only been just like an upward trajectory. Like there have been things where, and he's told me I can share this openly, like there's been times where maybe we were out one night and I thought he had a few too many. And that could also be some of my own control um, issues of like, oh, you're having too much fun. And and I can't predict how this night's going to end up because of your drinking. Like, what if that's a red flag? So like, there's been times where I've been assessing a situation that does have legs to stand on. But each and every time I've realized like, this doesn't feel like it's actually something that needs addressing. It was just a a signal of like, okay, now I can uh, attach on to this thing as he's not perfect. Like he's not going to show up perfectly every single moment. And so this can be the reason why I leave the relationship. So everyone will have different perspectives of that. Like it's only happened like a couple of times a year, like since we've known each other, whereas some people don't drink at all. And so that would be a huge red flag for them, you know? So it's like there, there were things that were causing me to have what I would say are like pretty legitimate questions, but what would get stacked on is just like this severe pressure of like, well, what if I missed a red flag and then we get a future divorce and it was all just like bottling up inside me and I hadn't fully expressed how I felt to him in a clear way. I had said stuff before like, well, do you ever have doubts or like, do you like, do you ever worry? Cause your parents got a divorce that we would ever like, it's like, I would kind of poke at it, but never fully unleashed kind of the fears I was experiencing. So it kind of just felt like I had to, otherwise I didn't see how we could keep moving forward. Yeah. That's a huge thing that I still struggle with too, is intuition versus anxiety, right? Like your gut feeling versus fear, right? And what are the differences? And that I feel like needs to be a whole nother episode because it's hard when you have anxiety, it's so hard to know and what the difference is. I was just like, this is like a tangent, but I was just actually going through this like internal you know, dialogue with myself with a guy that I went out with um, a couple weeks ago. And I wasn't really like feeling it. I kind of, he was a lot older and he definitely was interested. He wanted to go out again. And I was like, okay, maybe I will, you know, the stuff. And we had talked a little bit and like, 
then I, I honestly, he wanted to really go out and he was trying to like meet up again. And I was like, I really just don't think I'm like into him. I'm really just like, I want to listen to my, it's not fear. Like, I think I'm doing a better job of that. Um, and I really can say with confidence, like I just had a gut feeling that I just, he was just too old for me. Um, and I was like scared to say that out loud also because I'm old, I'm 43. He was like 55. And, um, I think I was just too scared to say that because so many people are like, oh my God, like who cares? Whatever. How long have you been single? Like all this stuff. I'm like, you know what? I don't care what anyone else thinks. Like I just, this was not the, I really just didn't feel it. So I'm getting better at that. But um, I think that that is something that happens whether you're just dating or in your relationship, you're just always going to have to like try and learn a little bit more between it about intuition versus anxiety and being open with your partner, I feel like is huge, right? That's why communication is so important in a relationship. Being able to actually have these conversations with your partner, I feel like that's the kind of person I'm going to need to be with is like when I am sort of feeling like this a little bit and being like, all right, I think this is just my anxiety talking, but like I'm thinking, not that I want to say everything, obviously you don't want to say everything to your partner, but don't you think that's good to have that communication? Yeah, definitely. And I think everyone has their right, like I said earlier, to privacy. I was saying that in the context of social media sharing. But I think even within relationships, like you just said, you don't have to share every single thought that pops up just because you have a thought. Like It's not hiding something if you don't speak every single thought you have to your partner. But I do think that people have this fear of sharing because it feels personal, like the anxiety feels personal. It's about, I don't love you enough, or I don't know if we should be together. So of course that could be taken very personally, but I think the way you communicate it can take ownership and just acknowledge like, Hey, for all I understand about this, this is a me thing. And I just wanted to let you know that I'm going through that. And sometimes I might respond to things because I'm having anxiety or fear pop up, but I do want to work on it. And I think that's a key part of it is like, do you want to work on it? Because the people that I'm trying to support, I'm not here to say you should stay in your relationship. Um, and I think sometimes people might assume that like, because I chose to stay in mine that like my message is that, oh, if you leave a relationship that you had anxiety that you didn't try hard enough, I don't necessarily think that's the case. It's just that if you want it to work and you want to understand the anxiety, I definitely believe that you can do that too. So of course, everyone's story will look different. But for me, whenever there was a mention of like, oh, well, why don't you just not be with him? Or like, you could just break up. Like that didn't feel like my out of like, oh yeah, let's do that. I want to do it. So that was another way I kind of had to trust my intuition was that when I came across people talking about having doubts or it's normal to have questions like the Gottmans in their relationship research, they were saying, yeah, like putting all your eggs in one basket can be scary. Like it, it makes sense that you might have some questions. I was like, oh my gosh, like, thank God. It felt like such a permission slip. Whereas when people would say, well, why don't you just break up? Like that didn't actually feel helpful to me. So I think that's another subtle way of trusting yourself is like, if you come across this information and it resonates with you and it clicks with you, that could mean something. It doesn't have to guarantee the outcome of the relationship, but at least exploring what might be underneath the anxiety, like your own stuff versus assuming that it has to be the literal thing of you can't be in the relationship. Mm. That's so great. I, so what would you say 
do you have any advice, I guess? This is just going to be um, a shameless like question for me personally, but hopefully other people listening um, will benefit from it. But like advice for someone who is like dating and who is struggling with also this similar type of perfectionistic mentality within themselves, but just kind of getting to know someone because it's so different. I'm just feeling like versus when I was in a relationship and what I was worried about when I was in it with the like disappointment and self-doubt versus dating. It's just too, it's like different and that, and it's been just really hard with dating and, and wanting to listen more to my intuition, which I have, but do you have any advice for us who may be struggling with that? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, first I'll just give the disclaimer that I haven't been dating in, you know, over seven years now. So I, I feel like there's definitely a shift in the landscape of it. Like I I never really had success with like a dating app, for example. Like I met Nate through mutual friends. So it's just been a while since I've been in that headspace. But I think for me, what I would share is making sure you have like a few top things that like you're really keeping an eye out for. Like, for example, okay, this person's putting in the same amount of energy that I am towards this. Like, you know, like they're showing up when they say they are, or like they're proactive. Like I can tell that they are the type of person that puts in effort. I don't know. Like there could be that or, okay, like I feel like they're very genuine and like I enjoy being around them or I don't feel like I have to hide part of myself around them. Like just having a few key, I don't want to say metrics because that gets into the perfectionistic like measuring, but just a few key things that you're keeping tabs on of like, all right, do I feel like I can be myself, that type of thing. And as much as possible, putting to the side just momentarily, like while you're on that date, certain qualifications of like, they need to look like this, or they need to have this exact type of job. Like, I think that's where we can get into, I forget where I saw this quote, um, but there was someone that was saying something about like perfect moment syndrome. It might've been Sarah Wilson in her book, uh, First We Make the Beast Beautiful. I think it was her. And she was saying like perfect moment syndrome is when basically everything has to go perfectly in order for us to be happy with it. And I think sometimes, especially like with dating, you're just like, all right, right from the get go, I'm going to feel that spark. And they're going to like do this exact thing and that. And like, we have these parameters of exactly what has to happen on the date for it to go well. Mm -hmm. So if you have certain things, like I want them to be within 10 years of my age, like that's totally fine. Set those boundaries for yourself. But some of the more specific things that you may be like secretly hoping for, just trying to stay open to who this person is and like their energy, because I think sometimes perfectionism can block out someone who might be a really great person because we have this list of things that we're scoping out. Totally. And I think also that goes into what you had talked about before with, you know, the rom-coms. And we have an episode we did about like Disney movies um, this is like last year or something. And we talked about how Disney movies have like effed all of us up from when we were little and like watching all them and what we're like, <laughs> how we're supposed to find a partner. It just it's supposed to be this, you know, um, total idealistic, unrealistic thing. Right. And I feel like that's part part of what I've been working on a lot within, gosh, even when I started this whole journey of everything. Um is thinking about, yeah, being open and not being so rigid with things, you know? Totally. 
Yeah. It's tough. It's tough. Cause like when I first met my fiance, like I definitely had a pull towards him and I felt like we did have a honeymoon phase, like granted, maybe only like, like six months of it before it was interrupted with my overthinking. But like there was a longer period than six months where I felt like really excited, very consistently. And I feel like COVID was like the end of a chapter in some ways because there was just a lot going on. And that's when I kind of realized like, wow, this is like a challenge that I need to actually work through. But we've grown so much in those seven years. But like I can look back and say, yeah, I did feel this pull towards him. And whether you use the word pull or drawn in or attraction, like whatever it is, I think those words can mean different things for different people. But there's this focus now on like the spark or the chemistry so much that I think it's so focused on physical and like, oh, do I feel it right away? But I like the word drawn in. Like, does this person have qualities that draw you in? Mm -hmm. And so it's, yeah, like I'm not here to say, oh yeah, you should just like go on 10 dates with someone if you're not feeling it at all but take away this expectation that like right from the get-go, you're going to know for sure that like you've met the one. And I think that can just add a lot of pressure. Yeah. I love that thing. I love what you just said about feeling drawn in. And if someone draws you in, because I've been trying to explain like in a way about this guy that I went out with and what it, what's, what was missing, like without overanalyzing it, but like as a first date kind of in my brain, what was like, didn't draw me in. And there was definitely things that didn't. And I know, I know I've been on other dates with guys and who I've been with in the past. And those types of reasons why I was attracted to the person was not there. Like that was different. And I'm trying, that's what I'm trying to trust, I guess, right? Feeling drawn into this person. And I keep saying, I really want to meet a best friend. Like is something different than I have ever said in the past. Um, Cause I really just want to meet someone that I'm really compatible with, I guess, but then also wants the same things and we're in, but, uh, but not, but trying to get rid of the perfection of like, you asked of all these things, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But I think I'm going to take that forward with me for sure. Does this person draw me in? I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. And the only thing I'll add to that is just, I don't know, of course, your whole history, Allison, but from the little you yeah. shared, like there were past relationships where the dynamic wasn't as healthy you shared. So just knowing too that like if there's like an intense infatuation type of drawing in, sometimes that can be because we're used to those patterns. So like I think also knowing that it's okay to have it be subtle, like, oh, I'm just curious about this person. Like I want to know more versus this huge pull like a magnet. And I think that's one thing that I I wish that I had known before settling into life with Nate is that like sometimes it's more subtle, but that still gets to be loving and beautiful too. And kind of like Taylor said, it's like, it can be still a choice to like come back to that energy, but that would be the only thing I say. And also just for anyone listening, because sometimes I think even that word drawn in, it's like, all right, well, are they like exciting enough? And am I infatuated enough? And that word infatuation is just like a lot of, you know, Disney movie syndrome. (laughs) You should also right. be like suspicious of too much infatuation at first too. You know, like how they say like, like love bombing, love bombing and like someone who's just like really trying to finesse you into their life. I think that's also something to be suspicious about. I think it's like what Sarah said about 
You know, it's just, I remember I was thinking back to when I first met my husband and it was like, there's just like something about him where it's like, hmm, I'm like, just like curious. Like when I think about in that moment, there was like a lot of people around, but I was just like very curious about him. And it wasn't like I was like, oh, I'm just like so in love with him. Like, blah, 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 blah. it was like, I was just very curious and I wanted to like keep seeing him. Like you have this feeling of like where you're like, oh, you know, I want to see you tomorrow or I want to see, like, I just kept wanting to like, even though I would tell my mom like, oh, he's so weird. I still wanted to like keep seeing him. I was still like, huh, or something to that, but I don't know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Social media, you know, it can make you feel like you need to just be like immediately in love. It was love at first sight. Yeah. (laughs) Wait, I love that too, Taylor, because you just get being curious. Yeah. You're just like, you know, I want to know more. (laughs) Learned two really good things today from both of you. Just being curious and does this person draw me in, but not in like a love bombing way? Like not. Yeah, in I mean, like if you're going on a date way. and you're, if you're going on a date and you're like, the the next day you're like, okay, I'm gonna do it again because you know I think I should. I don't that think it should feel like that. Yeah, I don't think it should feel like that. I think it should be like totally. You know, like I'm, I'm, I want to, I'm, I'm curious. Something about me is like thinking about this a lot. Like, yeah. But if you're like forcing yourself, you're like, I need to do it because it's the right thing to do. And like, there could be something like that. I don't, I don't think you should totally that because I've been watching reruns of the millionaire matchmaker, which you guys might be too young to even know about, but Patty Stanger is like a show in the early two thousands. And I've been like rewatching it and everything she says is like what I'm doing wrong. <laughs> She's like age, blah, blah, blah. She just said something. And I'm like, Oh no. Like, but it's like, it wasn't just about the age, but you know, he was, um, you know, so again, go going along with self-doubt. I mean, that's something I struggle with my entire life. So I feel like I like – I'm learning, you know, like a curiosity is good. I didn't really feel that at all. Yeah, and then- this drawing in, I didn't really feel that either. I, You know, so it's just – it's helping. This is very – it's been very helpful. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, it's helpful yeah. to even just hear. Like, I love hearing other people's experiences. So, Taylor, thank you for sharing yours. And Allison, it sounds like you have a really strong sense of self, which you've learned from a lot of past experiences. So, like you said earlier, I like my life, and it's more about someone adding to it versus like I have to find this person. So, I think that mentality is super healthy anyway. So, yeah, I would yeah. feel pretty good about what I heard you sharing. <laughs> Thank you. This has I, been I agree awesome. With, oh, sorry. I agree with you, Sarah. I think a lot of people I, – I really do think we're in a day and age where people just get divorced so fast. And it's like they're just – it's because they're quote unquote not happy. And it's like then they get in this new relationship and they think they found this happiness only for like seven years to come in. You hear about like the seven-year uh, – what do they call it? Itch, yeah, yeah. Itch. yeah. And you see that a lot. Like I think people just want to just th- just throw in the towel, you know, and just give up very fast. And I think that if you do that, you will be on a continual cycle. I've seen it with someone I know and he uh, he's on his third wife and it's like, it's always, oh, this person's now. And then you hear how he talks about the, his wife now. And you're just like, oh my God. You're like, he's like, we're just so happy. And like, so like once you find the one, blah, 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 blah. blah. And I'm like, dude, Wait till you're seven years old. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, wait till you're with this person for seven years. Then let's let's meet up. You know, it's like one of those things. So it's like, why get married all the time? Then I'm so curious about people that have a lot of partners with that with marriage. Like, what is it about the marriage that they feel like they need? 
why do they need to get them married if it's like why just Tracy? Yeah, sometimes you know, with like know. kids involved, I think I don't know. Oh, maybe yeah, that's true. Very also. But, well, what's interesting is he's all these marriages have been at least seven or more years, so it's not like he's like two oh, or okay. years. It's like right, right. it's like it gets long term, and then it's just like you got to find the next adventure. But well, that person okay. is the happy one. Like when you're saying this thing about divorce, just really quick before we go, I think what it really comes down to is what we talked about before, which is like at some point there's someone that just is sick of doing the work. There's yeah. one of them that is just done doing the work that you have to do. And, you know, it's people too much. also fall out of love. You know, they fall, people fall out of love. It's hard, it, it's hard to get back to that place. So many of my couple therapist friends, if there are years and years of like no sex or, you know, different things, it's hard mm-hmm. to get back to that place again. Like really hard if it's bad. You know what I mean? If it's, if it's been so broken. Um but so, but that begins with with somewhere with one of them mm-hmm. not putting in as much work, and and it is need it does need to be work sometimes. But when you're with the right partner, you know it, you do it together, and I feel like sometimes that can bring you closer together. You know when yeah. you have those moments, and then you work in it. So you're, I think I, I I think that was probably the nicest compliment I've gotten in a long time, Sarah. Is that I have a good sense of myself. That's so mm-hmm. sweet. Thank you so much because mm-hmm. I feel like that's what I've been really striving for probably most of my life, my adult life. Um, so thank you for saying that. That's very sweet. It was so wonderful to have you on. Um, I knew that. I know this episode you guys took some twists and turns maybe (laughs) which is what taylor and i do sometimes but tell everyone where they can find you and anything coming up for you yeah so i'm you love and you learn on instagram and my podcast is the you love and you learn podcast so those are kind of the main ways to stay in touch and this was such a fun conversation thank you for having me awesome thank you so much for being here we'll see you guys next week bye Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.